it was received by the audience. 800 people couldn't stop laughing. And I thought, oh, my God, I have a comedy hit. And for the first time in my life, a comedy set piece actually worked and the audience couldn't stop laughing. The second that scene was over and the actual movie began, there were about four laughs in the next two hours. And that was it. And I think what killed the comedy was the amount of destruction and the, the sheer noise level that many people were watching the film with their hands over their ears, holding their ears because they were being assaulted by all the noise coming out of the speakers. And I think it's not that we dubbed it too loud. I just blew too much stuff up. Pauline Kales, she had a radio show. Off the air, she said to me, now you have, I hear, 1941 coming out. She said, well, we're all waiting for that one. You know you're not going to get off as easy as you get off with your first two films. We're waiting for you to fail. And in so many words, she pretty much just said to me, you know, we've got our knives sharpened because this better be the greatest thing anybody's ever made or you're going to go down in flames. And I'll never forget her warning, almost like sight unseen, whether it's a good picture or a bad picture, it's your turn to be slapped. I was kind of riding the whirlwind. And when I did 1941, I have to tell you, I felt like I was made of Teflon. I felt that anything I put on film was going to succeed. I felt invincible. And I think in a sense at that point in my life, the best thing that could have happened to me was the drubbing that 1941 got. I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to the very first Wrong Direction, where we look at a popular director's less successful work and try to determine what led them down that road. <laughs> mm. And we are going to start with a big one, with a big name director, the biggest name director. It's a household mm. name. And we're going to talk about not a household name film. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about 1941, Spielberg's first World War II comedy epic uh, and we're going to decide whether his creative shift uh from his previous films was was it worth it was it not worth it did he did he feel good about it did he feel bad about it how were the reviews we'll find out but i'm going to mm-hmm. introduce the film guy as tony likes to call him <laughs> um we're going to introduce jack is back and as we know loose lips sink ships and uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna hand over to jack and we're just gonna talk about spielberg before we get into the film about Mm. his techniques his style um the kind of films he's done what he likes to look at in his films what he gets right what he gets maybe gets a little bit wrong who knows but uh jack take us to school i mean thanks for inviting me on again it's great to see you (laughs) and this is a great way to start because as you said like you probably don't a lot of people I still think in the world, don't know the name of directors. I think just, you know, Joe on the street, Jane on the street, name me 10 directors. They might not be able to, but everybody knows Spielberg. 
So this is definitely the right place to start, I think, for this feature. This was definitely the wrong direction oh. for him to go in. When you look at that run that he's got going, I mean, we, we can take the Sugarland Express, which is, you know, oh. his first like official film, if we don't count Jewel. Then we take Jaws and Close Encounters, and then we'll skip 1941 and we get to Raiders. So like without 1941, that is it. I mean, what a run that is. Jaws, Close Encounters and Raiders. I mean, I, I'm not sure there would ever be another run of that could ever compete with that, really. But there's 1941, mm. which for the film guy, as Tony likes to call me, I've never seen it until this. And um, part of me wishes I never had. Ooh, scathing, scathing <laughs> review already, already. I um, certainly don't feel like it's brought anything to my life that I was missing. Let's put it that way. It's not the it's not the diamond in the rough for you, because this is it's quite a, div- a divisive not. film. Like, there's a lot of people on either mm. side of the wall. Um, on my Facebook, I had two people that went, "Oh, I loved this when I was a kid," and I was mm. like, "And I was like, have you seen it now?" And mm. also, also, I'm watching a two and a half hour version, the director's cut, <laughs> and they and they both it was like they both did like the shocked emoji, and I was like, "Yeah, it is that long, and it's a comedy, uh, and it feels twice as long, probably." Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, again, we're getting we're getting we're getting way out of ourselves. Let's <laughs> let's uh, let's let's rein it in. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But let's talk about Spielberg. What has he mm. done for cinema? What's his legacy? What what are the kind of the the stylistic choices, the kind of artistic choices mm. that he makes that you know you can you can pick out a moment maybe in a film or a particular scene, mm-hmm. something that really just goes like this is cinema. Well, I think, you know, along with Lucas, obviously, but Jaws came out before Star Wars. Like, he's credited, you know, for creating the modern blockbuster, isn't he? For right or wrong, for ill. I don't think you can diminish his impact upon cinema. I don't, I don't think it can be done. Like, whether he's to your taste or not, and I think what he does do is marry spectacle and sentimentality like nobody else. And sentimentality can be a dirty word sometimes, the way, it, but I don't think the way Spielberg does it. I think the way he does it is that perfect blend of, like, emotion and nostalgia that so many other people fail at. Mm. Um, see, I don't, I don't think you can knock it. I think even those who, who would say he's not to my taste, I don't like his films, they, you know, would still say, you know, his legacy is, will live on f- forever. I think for me, my favourite of his is Raiders, mm. but that probably is, a lot of that is that childhood connection. So I was born in 1980, so obviously too young to see Raiders because that's the year it came out. Um, I wasn't going at zero to see it at the cinema, but um, growing up watching it. And I think for me, that has that perfect sense of like adventure and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of danger in there Mm. and the the characters have depth and nuance and it's all that practical stuff that he used to do so wonderfully that I think made him the director that had all these blockbusters. I mean, you, you can't have a run of like Jaws and, the Indiana Jones and, you know, moving on later into his career. I mean, E.T., obviously, we can't forget that from the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. But then moving on later into his career, you know, you've got Jurassic Park and Minority Report and, like, you can't do this for uh, for 50 years, as he's been doing it now, without there being something special about you. Other directors have come and gone. He's still here at the top of his game, isn't he, making films that still make the same amount of money now. Absolutely. I think what you were saying about the sentimentality and the spectacle, he does that really well. He, he manages to ground the fantastical mm. and reframe the mundane as, mm. to, some, as to something like uh, the shed in E.T., for example. The light comes on, the silhouette mm. of, of Elliot, um, you know, the, 
the wonder, the excitement. You know, he's 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 famous for a lot of techniques, and obviously, like um, the kind of dolly zoom. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm do, I'm doing the whole visual dolly zoom thing, but nobody can see it. it's a podcast. Um, but a good example is things like Jurassic Park. He does it mm. really well. So it's it's kind of he's kind of borrowed it from Hitchcock, and there's a lot of mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. from he's borrowed from Ford as well. Steal from the best, why not? Mm. Um, but like Jaws, the scene in Jaws where Brody sees the shark for the first time, you get the whole vroom, mm-hmm. and and again you see initially you see the reaction. It's like almost like a three shot, isn't it? It's almost like a yeah. three, the, the rule of three. You go, okay, reaction, what he's seeing, then then how he feels, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and again, it's with the, it's, you get the wonder and the awe or the fear. The You get the emotion first and then you, and you're like, oh my God, what are they seeing? Show mm-hmm. me, show me, show me, tell me. And that's kind of that. That's his kind of storytelling in a way. And obviously, he's quite famous for the the Spielberg Warner, as people call mm-hmm. it, that kind of master shot that he kind of slowly he's moving that camera around. There's no editing. There's no cuts. It's seamless. He makes it look easy. So mm-hmm. so much so that that master shot, you're like, oh, that was. I'm sure that was loads of work, loads of editing. It is loads of work, but it's not editing. He moves the camera slightly. He gets the actors to move around the frame the blocking is very precise mm-hmm. um especially doing like during like long dialogue and information heavy scenes he tends to have the actors move because if he's moving the camera and he's editing you can lose that information that dialogue mm-hmm. um that exposition if you're doing too much and it's like oh i'm really confused uh, which might be kind of 941's problem in fact in some in some respects he doesn't kind of stick to that rule mm-hmm. um but yeah, he loves he loves reflections as well. Like mm. he's a big, he, he, you can see that a lot. And often the characters are reflecting on themselves because they're looking they're looking at something they want. But then you focus. He kind of changes the focus of the camera onto the reflection. So it's like, what do they want? Do they need to change? You know, the, you've got the Oscar Schindler. Um, you know, while when he's looking at the workers, someone's mm-hmm. asking him to save save their family. You know, the flames reflecting in his heart, almost like he's becoming alive again and he's becoming a person again. It, it, he makes it look so easy. That's how mm. you know it's hard, you know. And that's it's what he does best, I think, is those emotional beats. And he gives gives it a, a kind of, like you said, sentimentality, but there's also like a, a whimsical nature to a lot of his mm-hmm. films. He does whimsy very well. That Again, you can maybe criticise that and say, oh, it's a little mm-hmm. too much, a little too much for me and the sentimentality. But there is a childlike wonder and awe to what he delivers on screen. And, and that's what you want in cinema. You want to feel like a child again. And I think yeah. Spielberg has that. I don't know what it is, that je ne sais quoi, but he has that. He has the techno- the technology. We can rebuild him. He has the technology. Uh, he can rebuild cinema into a blockbuster. Uh, mm. He he can do it. And and I again, I, I like you said, like it or loathe it, you know, not every film of his is a hit, you know, like 1941. But like, if you look at look at the Raiders truck scene, um, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about Raiders. Perfection. So, visual storytelling action scene you know it tells you everything you need to know and it draws you in it grabs you mm. and you know maybe you don't like the rest of raiders fair enough but like you've got to you've got to agree that is pure cinema yeah agreed i mean that that that, that is a literal perfect scene yeah absolutely i think you hit upon loads of stuff there i mean the, the childlike nature is, is spot on like he he still kind of sees the world through a child's eyes doesn't he and that's why he often gets such good child performances in his movies because he yeah. can connect with the children who are performing because as you said he still kind of sees the world in that way 
he's a very personal filmmaker, isn't he? Like so many of his films are like born out of his life and his experiences, like particularly Close Encounters, we know was his way of dealing with like his fatherless upbringing. I was going to say daddy issues. I was going to. Yeah, absolutely. We see a a lot of that. Um, We do see a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He keeps coming back to the idea again and again. You know, the reflection, fascinating, like War of the Worlds, like his version of that. Again, you know, you can be on the fence about that. Some people think it's really well made. Some people criticise it. But the first sort of half a dozen times you see the aliens, as you said, they're all reflected. It's either in a camera lens or it's in the like, windscreen of a car. So it's all about the idea of, you know, who's the true alien, who's the true enemy. Uh, that's obviously a big environmental movie. So there's a lot of things going on that about the aliens actually representing what we've, we've been doing to the environment and to the world. Because he manages to make that personal connection to something that can be so spectacular. I mean, that moment in Jurassic Park, Mm. when Alan Grant first sees the dinosaurs Mm. is so perfectly judged because we are him. He is our surrogate at that point in the movie. And the way that the camera pans around and almost as Alan seeing it for the first time, we're seeing it for the first time, then Williams' score comes in. And like, I'm not sure, it's hyperbolic, but I'm not sure if there's ever been a more perfectly judged moment in a spectacular blockbuster. Wow. Just because, you know, we all looked at that and went, oh my God, that looks like real dinosaurs. Hmm. And we almost had that kind of hyperventilating excitement. I mean, I was 16 watching it. I was like, you know, it had been built up for ages. ages. 16, 94, 14. So, you know, it had been built up for ages, Jurassic Park coming out, hadn't it? Um, With the clever trailer where we hadn't really seen anything of it. It has this special way, as you said, like childlike, whimsical, but of still seeing things as if he's an audience member which means he can give us exactly what we desire, we require, we want, we need. Uh, and I think that's what makes him so special and what's made, given him such a legacy. I, I agree. Um, I do think we need to mention another person as well. I think only enhances and enriches mm. the majority of his films. And um, we've got to say it's the Mr. John Williams. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Like, you know, the second you were talking about Jurassic Park, I heard... You can't not yeah. link those two together. It's the same again with close encounters. They're so synonymous with each mm-hmm. other. Almost, it's like a married couple. They're just you know mm-hmm. the two the two sides of the same coin, and they just they just they have an unspoken language that they just know each other's wavelength, and that's very rare to find in in two artists that work together. You can mm-hmm. just you just like yeah, got it. I know exactly what you're going for. I know what you feel, and and again, it just adds to um, like. Like Pixar, like, you know, I just cried at Encanto when I saw that the other day. Spielberg knows how to manipulate you emotionally. Oh, I agree. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 again, it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's a good mm-hmm. thing because you want to feel, you want to, you want to cry, you wanna, you know, even when E.T. looks like a white dog poo, you know, you you, <laughs> you you you're like, oh my god, he's gonna die. You know, you are you are so engrossed and you you wanna be taken there, you wanna be taken to those places, even if mm-hmm. it is hard, even if it is heartbreaking. You you're like, you know, you hold the tears in, but you know, they're gonna come anyway. You're gonna have to feel the fear when the velociraptors come. In mm-hmm. and they're, they're tapping on the kitchen tables and stuff. You know, you're going to feel that, and it, and he just draws it out of you. It's like mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what it is. It's almost like almost like Donnie Darko, those big bubbles that are come pouring out of people. It was like he's like, I've got you, I've got you. Here it comes. Oh, okay, I feel you, I feel it. And I think no matter what film it is, you know, whether it's the intensity of uh, Minority Report and the, mm. all, the, all the running that Tom Cruise does very well. Um, it's it's his favourite thing is, is the running. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, does or, it very well. 
or you know, or if it's you know, it's the the dark, menacing kind of uh, child abduction from Hook with Hook's you know shadowy figure mm. and the and the claw and you know and you know it's it's it, he can terrify you like he has great use of light and shadow as well. Mm. Like mm-hmm. um, he can you know and he uses shadow in a very very unique and interesting way. Lights are also kind of almost uh, of a as a mystery. It's mm-hmm. almost like the most mysterious thing is actually in the light. It's almost there. Uh, it's like, you know, Poltergeist, which he supposedly directed or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't go into the light. Don't go into the lights because that's the unknown. That's, that yeah, yeah. is, that is Basically, scary. It's the same. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. He's going into the light. It's not going into a dark corridor or a, a haunted house. It's pure, you know, angelic light that mm. is, that is the, not necessarily the danger, not necessarily, you know, but it's something that you do not, cannot explain mm-hmm. uh, until you see it and, and experience it for yourself. And again, that's such a new, unique kind of idea that is just mm. kind of flipped on its head. But yeah, is there, is there like, um, obviously we're not spoilers, but we're not that keen on 1941. <laughs> are, are there a, we've talked about some of the, obviously the bigger ones he's done, um, mm-hmm. but is there, is there any ones that are kind of middle of the road for you, his films or the ones that don't quite work that are, or the, Obviously, this is a lesser-known film and, and less yeah. kind of heralded, but is there any kind of maybe the better-known films that you doesn't quite do it for you? I mean, I can I can tell you one that definitely doesn't do it for me, Go Crystal on. Skull. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he did have a period, didn't he, around late 90s, early noughties, where, like, the films are perfectly decent, hmm. but I think what he wasn't doing was innovating anymore. I think he's always been an innovative director and always always, and I don't just mean, like, CGI and stuff. He's always been on the cutting edge of trying things out and pushing the boundaries to cinema. He's another one of these, you know, similar yeah. to James Cameron, where like each time he does a new film, he tries to do something different. Or what he does do does innovate within cinema. I mean, look at Saving Private Ryan, and then the next 100 war movies had shaky cam, realistic war footage. And, mm. you know, right up to Ready Player One, where, you know, the use of the technology yeah. in that was. I'm trying to think of the word, you know, what in- innovating and yeah, but and like, and like really like drawing you in and really making it for like hmm. a realistic world. But there's a little period where things like, you know, like Amistad, I mean, obviously what it's talking about, really important, whether it was the most gripping, thrilling movie, I'm not sure. Oh, that's late 90s, so 97. So maybe around that sort of period, I don't know. But then you look, then Saving Private Ryan was his next one. Yeah. And then, so he, ha- he, he has had a bit of up and down, you know, like the terminal. Very forgettable. You know what? I, I'm surprised because I've not seen as many as I thought. When I was looking through the catalog, mm. I'm like, I have not. I've either I've either seen them in full, or I've not seen them, or I've just not been interested. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I watched for the robot month. I watched AI, which was mm. which I really didn't like. I really and I said that on the podcast with Andy during robot month. I just went. Andy was like, "You go tell me what you why you hate it because I'll tell you the same reasons." And yeah. I was just like, "Yeah, I do not like it." It's not good. It's not well written. I, I just, it was just, yeah, just wasn't for me. I won't go into it now because it's. You can go listen to it. Listen to the the robot exactly. podcast. Go, go. I've done it before. Um, but you I've can, only ever seen that once, and you know, I again, that I would, says it all. I've not gone back again because it just exactly, didn't do anything yeah. for me. Yeah, Crystal Skull was just cartoony bollocks for me. Well, just, again, relevant today. Yeah, again, um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of cartoony bollocks going on. Um, I, I just knew, I knew when he survived the the nuclear mm. warhead with the in the fridge. I went, nah, I'm out. I'm got. I'm, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, not having it. You know, 
like he he can't do the whip and he falls back into the jeep but then he survives the nuclear bomb <laughs> i'm like nah not buying it mate um you know and i know there's a new one coming out um you know then indiana jones in so please be it's good. not him this time is it it's james mangold that's directing oh is it right yeah. okay that'll be interesting mm. uh from from logan james mm. mangold yeah it might be really good. It might not be. Let's find out. Who knows? Anyway, um, so yeah, there's a few, there's a few Spielberg's Bergian ones that, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think there are. I mean, any, I think any artist is going to have hits and misses, and this was, mm-hmm. this is an interesting one to look at. But I think, I think we can talk about it now. So I think let's talk yeah. about 1941. So and this is the first time you've seen it. The first time I've mm-hmm. seen it. You suggested it as well, which I thought was a really good suggestion, especially for this for this uh, format of podcast. I think mm-hmm. we, had, we had to go here uh, before we go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think? What did you... Well, do you want to tell us what it's about first and then we'll go into what you Sure. My understanding is it's based on a couple of kind of real events that, well, within a year or two after Pearl Harbor, that were going on in California. So we had this kind of um, zoot suit army riot, which happened in the 43, I think I read. And we had this night shortly after Pearl Harbor where um, they believed there was going to be a raid. So they were shooting up into the sky and actually there was nothing there. So I think the Bobs, Zemeckis and Gale, um, had written this script based on these kind of real ideas. Oh, and it was um, Stillwell, wasn't it? The character of Stillwell was a yeah. There's, a, there's a, a couple of other things as well. The 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 anti aircraft gun in the garden in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. that's real. And the submarine uh, that pops up. Mm, that, that was apparently right. that's apparently real as well. So uh, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it was kind of a lot of it is very true to real life, and and mm. some, sometimes that can make for a really interesting film, and sometimes. Um, but I, I possibly think there's maybe one or too many of those. Well, I think, I think what, from what you know, I understand. You know, you sent me the documentary which we both watched, which was dry, but yeah, arguably, dry. <laughs> arguably still more interesting than the film. Um, <laughs> Definitely, I think from my understanding of it, and you know, reading about it as well, that the script wasn't an out and out comedy like it it became, and like it is that we we watched and what everyone got to see it was a bit more serious it was it had a bit more drama to it it was you know when it was originally scripted and when spielberg came in and read the script and he was busy because he was doing close encounters and he came back to it and i think there were quite a lot of working together rewrites john Millius was brought in wasn't he yeah look at all these names like it's madness this should be the best film ever um the the it's weird because it's almost like the stars obviously it takes a lot of effort and a lot of practice work mm. and time to get a film even made like mm. literally filming to the point of where it's being filmed is quite an mm. ordeal so i think also that a film has to the stars have to align for a film to be either a box office bomb or not critically praised or mm. you know like for example let's say cats mm. that those stars had to align in a certain way had those certain people involved for it to be what it was and when it was and i think it's mm. the same for this and this is again You've got everything should work about this. Everybody behind and in front of the character, everything should work. You've got Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis of the Back Back to the Future team. You've got John Milius, who wrote Apocalypse Now, uh, directed Conan, Red Dawn, that sort of thing. So, again, good films in their own right. Spielberg, Mm. you know, like you said, arguably the best run of his career. So hot right now. So hot right now. Spielberg, so hot right now. Uh, And, you know, all all the actors, Toshiro Mifuni, Christopher Lee, uh, Treat Williams, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, uh, John Belushi, Mm. 
you know, you name it, the stars came out. Um, you know, Warren Oates, you've got, you know, uh, Robert, is it Robert Stack? Robert Stack? I Robert think. Stack, yeah. Yeah. All these people, and you think the amount of talent, it's mm. like, it's like a, a star's going to collapse in on itself. Mm. You know, it's just critical mass. This should blow in, this could go off this bomb in the right way, but it really, really didn't. <laughs> um, no. But please, please carry on with what you were saying. <laughs> no, so I just think, yeah, I think some, something happened in pre-production, I think, was already a problem. As, as you said, like all the all these moving parts, all these moving elements, perhaps too many voices. There's some really interesting stuff I was reading about how like John Millius would like go off to say he was writing and would surf all day and then would, you know, not have any work done. So, you know, you can kind of see what was happening here. People were probably ready to take Spielberg down. So mm. as soon as there's any kind of chink in the armour, they wanted to get this wonder kid down. But I think he steered the ship in the wrong direction. Uh, we can't lay, all, lay at his feet, but I think perhaps, you know, some of the people he's working with on set sounded like we're taking a bit of control and it or he didn't know how to control them. You know, characters like Belushi who are improvising and they're going to do what they want. And Spielberg wasn't in a position at that point in his career, perhaps to rein him in and tell him no. He just wanted to watch him and let him, you know, wind him up and let him go and see what he could do. But I don't think he had the maturity to handle this scale of a movie because obviously the budget blew up, didn't it, from yeah. 17 to 35, something like that. It went from a 14-week shoot to a six-month shoot. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was so like the personalities, the movie, like the ideas people were having, they wanted to film it all. And, you know, like the budget for the effects and some of the effects are pretty decent, to be fair. And I think it just, it was that perfect storm, perhaps, where like he himself, within himself, needed to be brought down a peg or two. And look what happened. We get Raiders under budget earlier, you know, filmed earlier than it was on supposed schedule. to be. On schedule. It, like pre, like before <laughs> it was due, with under budget with some of the most iconic moments, as, as you've said already, you know, the, the track chase, you've got the indie, I know like circumstance, but you've got the indie shooting of the swordsman. So I think he needed this to become perhaps the filmmaker he, yeah. he's maintained for ever since. He needed a misfire. Arguably, it's more of a critical misfire than yes, a absolutely. box office. Because it's not a flop by any no, means. It made money, didn't it? 1941 is not a flop. It mm. made it. It made, I think, over double its budget. I think. Yeah, triple, um, I think I read. Or heard. Yeah, yeah, triple. Um, I, I've probably got it on my phone somewhere, but it was like Gail said it himself. It was not mm. a flop. It is mm-hmm. not a flop. And Gail, Zemeckis, Milius, Spielberg are all still very proud of this movie, regardless of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of, of how people received it. They were like, no, it's great. It, this is exactly what we wanted to make. Screwball, comedy, mm. you know, antics. And like you were saying earlier, like Zemeckis said it was a black comedy originally. And I actually think it would have worked better as a black comedy. Much better. It Much really better. would have. This kind of screwball. It's like a Looney Tunes wacky. cartoon, isn't it? This. Yeah. And, and that's how Spielberg describes mm-hmm. it. A lot of the kind of wacky screwball antics and the gags and stuff. But yeah, never really. I think the main problem was you don't really have a protagonist. And that is because the more the stars came on board, mm. the more the focus was pushed to the stars. So yeah. Yeah, Belush- yeah. Belushi's big. Accurate a bit because of SNL. Yeah. So put more spotlight on them, get get them on screen. And you've got this poor young lad who is effectively the protagonist. Um, I think it's Bobby. Wally, yeah. Wally, or and I think the actor's Bobby DeCoco, I want to say. Yeah. And he's the protagonist, and he should have been, but they they decide to just go, oh, we'll just put something over here and somebody will do something over here. And there's yeah. no it's there's sketchy, no real isn't it? Yeah, it is it does feel a bit like a sketch show. It's like mm oh, we're going over to this sketch now, and oh, we're going over to this sketch now. And and I think originally the through line was going to be mm. 
Wally going through and interacting with all these and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and coming in and out of the scenes and things like that. And I think that would have worked better. Also, I think it would have worked better if there was no sub. Sure. Interesting. Because the idea of the, the whole idea is that Pearl Harbor has got everybody into a hysteria. Yeah. They're going, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be invaded. The The Japanese are going to come. Uh, that's not the word they use in the film. And that was not the original, 1941 sure. was not the original title, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But if if you want to do that, mm. don't actually prove their hysteria correct. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your point. Yeah. My idea would be, again, I'm like, shut up, Spielberg. I know how to write this. Shut up, <laughs> shut up Zemeckis. Shut up, Gail. I know that you wrote one of, you have one of the best screenplays of all time that's used in many film making and screenwriting classes, but fuck you, this one. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think it should have been Wally who basically trying to impress a girl comes up with the idea of uh, that they're invading and spreads this, makes like a big hoax, creates this hysteria. And and eventually it starts getting more and more out of control. People mm-hmm. get hurt and things. And all the way through it, he's trying to convince them it's not happening. It's not real. But that it just increases the hysteria. He's the, the sense of sanity in this insanity. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, no, no, I, I've, I've done it. Kind of a boy cried wolf type thing, I think. Yeah. If, if it was something like that. And obviously they're just getting more and more worked up and more and more crazy, more hilarious. Uh, and they're just doing crazier and crazier things with no explanation. And then eventually he kind of manages to stop them all and just be like, I was wrong, I was wrong. Or he just lets it go on. Or maybe maybe the military are like, no, we've got to make sure this, even though we know it didn't mm-hmm, happen, mm-hmm. we've got for the victory and for the morale, we've got to make sure yeah, yeah. that it had happened and we've got to convince the public. You know, yeah. kind of like... Kind or of to like cover a, up their mistake. Even, yeah. You know. Again, you have that satire then, don't you, about it? Yeah, exactly. And the kind of, uh-huh. there's that black comedy to it. that yeah. You know, in, in the war, you know, Churchill... And, you know, let things happen. Bad things happen to good people for, you know, bigger victories and stuff. You could say something about that. Mm-hmm. That's my idea. But the idea that obviously you've got, you've also got two of the most serious actors ever on a sub, yeah. not speaking the same language, mm-hmm. German, Japanese, and then you've got Slim Pickens as well, Tim Matheson, Nancy Allen, didn't mention all them. They're in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as interesting as Toshiro Mifune, Christopher Lee and Slim Pickens being in a scene is all speaking different language. Yeah. You know, I did chuckle the first half an hour or so. I did chuckle at stuff. Oof. But that's more than I did. Yeah. I was like, there was stuff where I was just like, huh. right. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was it. I was like, huh. Right. I see. Mm. That That's it. The, the, it's one gag and gone. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There's no, you know, there's no situations. There's no, you know, upping the ante sort of thing. But like my my idea is that I, I yeah, think yeah. that that probably would have worked better. But that again, I, I don't know. I'm not a screenwriter, but that that would be my premise for this film if that's what you're trying to do. But again, I think I love all the ideas that they're picking out, the sub and all this and mm-hmm. various different bits. Like I love that that's that 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 hilarity and those moments are based in truth. Mm-hmm. Um and I think ever since I'll, maybe- I'll take truth. I, I- I might question hilarity. Okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I will say, well, the, the hilarity in the real-life event, let's put it that oh, way. fine, yeah. Not within the film. But I think there's there's something to that, but I think there's too many of them. I think you Yeah, went, yeah, Because yeah. it's just so such a disparate film. Yeah. Nothing ever really put together. Because if you think, like, you know, only a year later we get another sketchy movie called Airplane that comes out, which is a zany comedy, which is, you know, like a live-action cartoon, but works and is hilarious and holds up. I watched it at Christmas because it was turned on and it was on TV and I was I was absolutely killing myself, still laughing. My partner went up to bed, she's like, oh, I'm not dealing with this. And I sat downstairs for another 
hour watching it all by myself, having a great time. Also starring Robert Stack. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But as you just said, that has a through line. It has one key. There's a plane. It's going to crash. And it's just one character steps up and does what he needs to do. So perhaps, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there. You need a main character and you need a through line in order for all the sketchy zaniness around it to work, to play off. Mm. You can come back to the tower and... um, Like we were saying earlier when we were discussing it, we were saying that Spielberg grounds us in the chaos, in the madness, in the bizarreness, the alienness of Mm -hmm. his worlds, be it Ready Player One, be it, you know... War of the Worlds, whatever. He mm-hmm. can ground you in a mm-hmm. way, keep you emotionally sated and keep your eye, keep your concentration, keep your focus. And he doesn't do it here. No. He absolutely cannot. He cannot ground this zany a film. It's just, it's too, it's too zany. And, and everyone's giving a zany performance. Yeah. Everyone's like, I'm the funny one. I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of mugging. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of it is just military and historical jargon, absolute waffle. And it's not funny. And I don't know how you would make it funny. He's like a kid with a toy box, isn't he? It's, you know, he's got all these different toys that he wants to play with and all these different things he wants to, moments he wants to create. And so few of them work. And it feels to me, I, I don't think I laughed once, if I'm honest. I, really? I did go in with the kind of mindset of like, this has to prove itself to me. You know, so that is part, you know, we have to put that into sure. perspective. I have to accept that, you know, I wasn't going open-minded. But I think um, so much of it was it's so... Called, it's called wrong direction. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> we're, we're looking at this for a reason. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're going in going, maybe this wasn't so successful, I wonder why. Like, that's yeah. the premise. But it can, so, you know, yeah. it can prove us wrong, can't it? This oh, one yeah, does absolutely. So much of it was drawn out. I mean, you, you were just talking then about that scene um, on the sub. And, yeah, I mean, that is cool. Look at these three guys who were acting in it. We've got um, Sim Pickens, Tashira Mafini, and um, Chris Philly. And you said the accents, that's cool. And, yeah. But the scene drags. And the joke was set up like five minutes, 10 minutes earlier when we see him driving in his um, truck yeah. to get to the, my name is Hollywood. And it, like we know it's coming. Why does it take so long? Like airplane works because it's like bing, bing, bing. Like it's every second there's a joke in airplane. So if that one wasn't funny, who cares? Here's another one. And if you miss that one, it doesn't matter. Here's another one. Whereas in 1941, the joke is here. Then he gets taken by the Japanese soldiers, which have come to shore, which doesn't make any sense. Then he gets put on the sub. And then there's a conversation. And then he comes to the realisation. But then he doesn't say anything. And then he says, oh, my name's Holly. Oh, my God, by then I'm lost. I mean, you're nodding off then as I'm reenacting. It's, it's a, it just doesn't work. The humour doesn't work in this at all. Timing. Yeah, awful. Is, is the essence of comedy. Mm. And if you can't get the timing... Bang on. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it doesn't matter what joke you tell, how well you tell it. If you no. can't get that timing, don't even bother. And yeah. all of these gags are like, again, we talk about Spielberg's long takes. These are, yeah, his, long, yeah. these are his long gags. So mm. the whole, like, even the whole Jaws parody. Oh my God. I was, it lost on. me already. It lost me from the start. It go, like it goes on and on and on. And I'm like, yeah, doing it, doing it. You know, you got it, got it. Yeah. It comes to sub. Oh! And then she's up there for ages. They have a whole scene. She's still mm. up there. But I'm like, oh. And then they just come down, and that's it. And I was like, right, okay. I got I got you. But that's the, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. 
that should have been it. You shouldn't have gone back to her. You shouldn't no, no, be like, no, shouldn't be like, oh, she's okay though. She's all right. She's not dead. You know, she's still naked up there. And then there's a gag where the guy's looking up and he's like, the Japanese guy's like, oh, it's Hollywood, and he sees a naked yeah, lady yeah. and he's like, oh, great, this is what Hollywood's about. And and then Toshiro Mifune slaps him around and apparently did that in real life as well. Apparently, he uh, they were they were Japanese kind of uh, Californians, and he was like, you're not real Japanese. I'll show you real Japanese. Oh wow, okay. He started slapping around. You're not disciplined enough. Um, I think they were just kind of like very chill guys, um, mm. just kind of knocking about. And he's like, nah. Let's get it's not even to shape, literally, quite literally. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but but your sense of mugging is, is all here, isn't it? This is Spielberg mugging as a director. Like, look how cool I am. I made Jaws and I can take the mick out of myself, and it doesn't work. It's awful. Oh, it's the same actress. Ha ha, how funny. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, that scene, I was already like, oh shit, if this is the pinnacle. <laughs> well, I mean, if this is where we're starting, mm. like, it's jumping that out of like first impressions. Oh, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's. Uh... He does. He does as well. He goes back to I think where Kelso lands, so where uh, that's the the gas station from Jewel, and it's the yeah. same same actress from Jewel as well. Yeah. So it's it's almost like a wink and a nod to himself. He's like, oh, I'm dead clever. You wouldn't notice that, but you know. And I, just, I was just again like all all the stuff, all the stuff with Belushi is not good. It's, it's awful. Is absolutely. It's just like again. It's just him like being. Going, yeah. I want to kill people. Bah! All the characters are one note, so uh-huh. one note. The, like every gag, um, every kind of character is just like, I'm the creepy uh, evil boyfriend, and I'm possibly gonna, uh, you know, assault you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Not possibly. Definitely. No, definitely, he definitely did. Because yeah, and there's a, like we'll talk about we'll talk about the casual racism as well i think while we're here let's talk about the more controversial stuff so yeah, there's the, the, yeah i mean just a general view of women yeah in this is not good oh no this is not one for riz femme on film show absolutely not um and yeah the general view of of other races is not great either no um and this like i i get if there was something like there was kind of a lesson learned or something sure. like we're different, but like, I don't know, like 48 hours. So you're a criminal, yeah, yeah. you're a cop, you're a black guy. I'm a white guy, but we learn to get along in the end, even though we insult each other throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Eventually they go, ah, eh, you know what? You're all right. If there was something like that, but mm-hmm. k- kind of that at the end, but not. And it's just, there's a lot of, of, of slurs thrown around. Mm-hmm. There's even a moment where I was like, I can't believe they've said that in a comedy. Yeah, and and it was a bit, it's a bit in the dance hall, mm-hmm. and and they've everything is destroyed and in tatters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they say, and he goes, maybe next week. Uh, what a what a great party. Maybe next week we'll get some black people. Not not the word he used, but yeah. Uh, and we'll have a race riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful. And I was like, fuck me, that's. And that's like, coming from a guy who's already been slammed earlier in the movie for being like Italian, right? I think so. Yeah, I think. Made- she- she goes like, "Where are you from?" And I think, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Uh, what's your real name or something yeah. like that? So I think he goes, "Oh, I'm Ernesto or something," or he's, yeah, yeah, or, or Bob. I can't remember exactly. Uh, that's the guy from Happy Gilmore who's like Jackass. Yeah. That guy. Uh, I don't know his real name, but that's the same guy. And yeah, and but there's a lot of like again the word the term um, the ter- a term for black people again I will not use the term the term for Japanese people again yeah. I will not use. Um, the original title for the film was The Night the So-and-So's Invaded, I think was the mm-hmm. original title. And the studio wisely said, yeah, let's not use that word, please. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was... But it's like I get 
if they're trying, like, I understand that obviously we're not as enlightened as we were back then, and they want to show yeah. a realistic yeah. version of that. But I also think it's they're just throwing it in, and I'm like, it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. I'm not making a point of it. There's obviously a bit where the, the racism is challenged and mm-hmm. you know, and sort of stuff like that. But it's just it's almost a bit too. I think for me, when you when a racial slur is used in a casual way, it's almost worse. Yeah, yeah. If if it's said in anger, I'm like I, that's kind of what I expect. But there's a bit more. There's something a bit more insidious when something somebody mm-hmm. just says it off the cuff, and when it when it almost it means nothing to them. Like yeah, I mean, there's there's only two ways you can use it, isn't there? You can use it to therefore then challenge it later on, as you said. Yeah, okay. it needs to be challenged, or it needs to be used by a person who you're meant to hate, hmm. and that's part of why you hate them. Exactly. It's still not okay, but that's the point. Like, yeah. it's not or, okay for them to be saying it. Or it's a character who thinks like that and is changed by the end of the film. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think None of that is here. I don't no, think nothing. It's just it's just casual racism for the sake of casual racism. Again, you know, you could argue like Tarantino throws in a lot of slurs and things in his work, uh-huh. but you know, I I don't know. I, it just felt very wrong to me within it, within the idea of it being a comedy because obviously World War Two was absolutely hilarious, <laughs> um, and, and it makes a great a great topic for a, for a movie, a comedy epic. But like you were saying about the women as well, like Ned Ned Beatty as well. Mm. Um, I, I literally do not have a list long enough for all the good actors that are in this. Um, that's how they, you know, that's why the focus went on all these other actors because you're yeah. like, why why not use them? If we're paying for them. Let's. Fucking mm-hmm. use them, so I get it, but I don't think it helped the film and the narrative in the film. But he no. goes, he goes up to his daughter, and and the, and again, the women in the film are like, "Yeah, well, you're gonna have to shag a lot of soldiers, so get ready." Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. Even if you hate them, even if you despise mm. them, you're gonna have to shag them, and even the they dad, deserve it because they're going off to war. Yeah, and, and they're all like, blah, 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 you know, and they're all they're like fawning over these women and trying to grope yeah. them and stuff, and and yeah, it's in Ned Beatty. It says to his daughter. You're gonna to have to make a lot of difficult decisions, and you're gonna mm. meet a lot of people, and you're gonna do some things you don't want to do. But um, there are boys, so go shag them. It's great, isn't it? I was just like, wow, and that's like that almost works. Like for me, I was like, it's totally gross, but the delivery mm-hmm. timing for that almost works. There's, there's another, there's another gag that Slim Pickens did, which worked for me, which. Uh, is why they swallowed the compass and they're trying to get mm-hmm. the compass to find Los Angeles. Um, or Hollywood, they're trying to find Hollywood, aren't they? And he says, you're not getting shit out of me. That's a funny line because obviously the context of it. But yeah. I think, I think I don't even think that they knew that was a funny line. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you're not, it, it was like, oh, you're not getting shit out of me because I won't tell you anything. I won't, you know, I, I'm, even if you torture me. But obviously he's in the toilet and they need him to shit and they're giving him prune juice and stuff. But it doesn't. It's not. It's quite not quite there. The timing and no. again, it just yeah, it just falls flat. The whole the whole film falls flat. Uh, I was going to say Shakespeare's name's not Shakespeare. It's Spielberg is <laughs> a cinematic Shakespeare. Um, mm-hmm. I, he said that it was too noisy and there was too much chaos. What do you think to that? Too noisy, too much chaos. God, I mean, yes, absolutely. It's all noise. It's all chaos. It's just. It, it doesn't feel like there's any control to, to anything, really. You know, you hear about, you hear criticisms of Judd Apatow and that kind of era of this improvisational comedy where people are allowed to just run and run and run and then he would somewhat chop around it. But I mean, I'm not sure what's going on here. As you said, like everyone is allowed to just be over the top, zany, and every scene has a million things going on in it, which takes marshalling, t- does take mm. skill to do. 
But I, I just come back to Airplane again, or I come back, you know, war isn't inherently funny, but Hot Shots is. Yes. And that's another film where, like, there's a million things going on in every scene, but it just takes a particular hand, a particular skill to, to marshal that so that you are drawn to the right places at the right time. Whereas this is just do what you want, I'll film it, and then hope for the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, John Belushi, like when he's in the, he's been to the, he's pulled up and he's got petrol for his plane, hilarious. And then when he drives off and he pulls the um, petrol pump out, hilarious. Um, and then he's flying and he brings a Coke out of his flight suit and he can't open it. So he smashes it on the side of the plane and then like, like pours it all over himself. Yeah. I don't know what this is doing. I don't know why you think this is funny. I don't know what it's got to do with his character, how it's telling me anything about the story. Which is what what all good storytelling does, whether it's comedy or drama. Or <laughs> the, it, it's the funny thing is, something. the funny thing is, well, he is does he does it like Spielberg can do it. Mm. Like he, he this is this is stuff he does yeah, really yeah, well. Definitely. But did he need this film to learn those lessons? Well, yeah, to, so, that... to cement those lessons in yeah. his head. Yeah. To go right, what do I go back? Do I learn? Because he he says these are some of the most interesting reviews he's ever got, mm. which says to me that he's gone right. What have they said? Let's yeah. have a look. It's not like oh, I made a shit film. Oh, it's no, bad. no, no. Uh, 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 uh. It's not that. It's that you know he's trying to he's trying to find what went wrong. He's a scientist. Yeah. If he repeats the same experiment without changing mm-hmm. the parameters it's just madness so he's going fair enough you didn't like it what yeah. is it that they took from this that they didn't get what didn't they get out of my other movies that they did you know well he's they- made nothing funny up until this point has he no so you know if we if we include jewels so we've got jewel sugarland express jaws and close encounters none of those have any comedy in them at all really sugarland you know maybe a couple of touches oh. I think um, he can he can do comedy. Like well, but look, from look, there, as you said, he yeah. does. Raiders is funny. Absolutely. Catch Me If You Can is hilarious. Um, but as you said, maybe that's because he learned the lesson here. Um, I think that's really insightful what he just said then. This was his first attempt. And again, I'll use your words back at you, it falls flat. But then even when he's making films which aren't comedies, they have funny moments in them because perhaps he's learned how to time and how to control his actors and when to say no and where to position the camera to capture the right moment and how much coverage he needs. And perhaps these are all the lessons he learned on, on this movie. I think that's, that's probably true. Maybe the, maybe the question is that the film he went in the wrong direction, but maybe because of this, his career went in the right direction. Yeah, 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 nice. Arguably. Um, it's, um, I was, you were saying that, like, when has he been funny? I was reading this quote before. So he shared, he shared the news with his close friends in Hollywood, Spielberg. Mm. He was doing this. He was doing a comedy. It was, you know, it's new, exciting. He loved the writing. He was very excited. Um, you know, so, <laughs> and his friends in Hollywood, somebody said, why is he doing a comedy? When has Stephen ever been funny? Well, I can imagine that. <laughs> Literally. And even Bob Gale said it's not his strong suit. Like yeah. Bob Gale wrote the thing and gave it to him and went, yeah, it's probably not your bag particularly. Mm. Um, but again, like we said, like Raiders is hilarious. That scene with the mirror, the way he bangs the, yeah, bangs the chin. It's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. So he can do it. But I think 
he's better at kind of short bursts yeah. of humour. A lot of people find it annoying, but in Temple of Doom, I find, you know, uh, Willie and her screaming and everything, I find it quite hilarious. Like, I actually quite enjoy Temple of Doom. I know, again, very racist, um, yeah. you know, not the best, but I, as a film itself, I enjoy that adventure and that. Um, and That's what- a great comparison for this one, I think. I think the level, I think the opening to Raiders, the um, Anything Goes musical number. Uh, Temple of Doom, yeah. Yeah, it's the closest thing he's ever done since to 1941. There's a zaniness about that scene with Indy trying to get the uh, antidote. Yeah, the big musical oh, God, number in yeah. the background. Oh, that is, um, and that's hilarious in itself. It's it's deadly, it's scary, it's tense, but it yeah. is funny. Yeah, so I think that perhaps that's that's what 1941 could have been if it had come at a later point in his career. Perhaps I'm pretty sure you. I'm pretty sure he uses anything goes in this in the soundtrack or some or right. Well, so there's a definite through line, isn't there? And he says, doesn't he, that he kind of wishes the one thing he does wish if he could go back would be perhaps to commit and make 1941 an actual musical. His, and the best bit in the movie is the is the musical number in the middle in the dance hall. Absolutely. And what did he what has he finally just done recently? He did West Side Story. He finally did a musical, which yeah. has very similar dance sequences. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember of the original, what I've seen of the trailer. Here's a really good example of um what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. In Raiders, we have the scene with um oh god, what's his name? Uh the German guy with the burnt hand. What's his name? Oh, he's like Something. Right, fro, 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 something like that, isn't he? Fro, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the one in the leather. He has the burnt hand. He's like, hello, Fraulein. You know, yeah. very, very stereotypical, big lips, head blows up at the end. You know him. You know him. He's your best mate. Uh, he's probably not your best mate. <laughs> but there's a gag that originated from, that works in Raiders that originates mm-hmm. from this film. So mm-hmm. he comes in, he's going to torture Marion, and he starts getting his torture device out. He starts uh, yeah, assembling yeah, yeah. it. And it turns into a coat hanger. Ha, 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 ha. It's only a coat hanger. And it works. Christopher Lee did that in this film for, mm-hmm. with Slim Pickens. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm just going to put this gag in every film until it works. Yeah. And it didn't work in, in this film, so he didn't he cut it. So it's not in the film. Mm-hmm. But the idea was mm. eventually used and the timing was better. And obviously it was more because it's such a threatening, dangerous situation that yeah. un- undercut the tension with that comedy works. But with that, because you're already, it's like, I'm Slim Pickens and I ain't yeah, yeah, you yeah. shit. Isn't, it just doesn't work. And I think it's done a bit more to the side. It's not done as pr- presentationally. It's not prominent, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like, oh God, what's he going to put together? What's this mm-hmm. thing he's going to do to Marion? So I think that is a good example. So again, he can do it. And I think, like we said, he's learned his lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just looked up as you're talking. Tote, I think his name is. Is that Tote, right? Tote, yeah. Tote, that think, sounds right. Uh, Slim Pickens is, a, is another thing to pull out of this, I think, as well, which tells you what he was going for, doesn't it? Because obviously Slim Pickens, mm. Doctor Strange, Love Connection, another like comedy war movie. I'm not the biggest fan of that, if I'm honest. I think I understand its merits, but again, I don't necessarily find it particularly funny. I find it yeah, Dr. and insightful yeah. and it's got something to say, but I'm not sitting there rolling with laughter, which I'm sure some people are. Hmm. And I think, we, well, we know Spielberg looks up to Kubrick. He talks about him as being the kind of pinnacle filmmaker for him and... We know he then obviously went on to make AI because Kubrick couldn't. Minority Report as well, that was his. Um, Arguably two of his worst films, which is, you know, interesting that, you know, Spielberg is, and then of course the uh, Shining sequence in um, Ready Player One as well. Mm. So we know that he's kind of reaching to be like his idol, which I guess a lot of us do. 
this definitely falls short of what he's aiming for, as does AI, which is quite interesting. So he's definitely better off sticking to what he can do, Hmm. which is wide ranging. It's not one thing. I mean, he's made a wide range of movies within different genres, with different aims. You can't can't tell me Hook is the same as Ready Player One. Of course, yeah. Or Save Private Ryan or Schindler's List. Absolutely. A, you yeah. know, they might have a similar World War II setting or a sci-fi element, but they're very drastically different films. There is variety. Yeah. Um, like, his techniques are all the same. Like, the way he does it mm-hmm. is all the same. It's the same toolbox. Yeah. But, again, if the, if the you know, if Aim Bro don't fix it, yeah, yeah. Um, and that those particular tools work for the storytelling, the narrative, and it's one of his best things. He is a storyteller, yeah. and... You know, he does that best. He like we've talked about the emotional manipulation, the drawing in. He yeah. loves he bloody loves his circles as well. He can't move for a circle with his film. It's always circles. Um, you know, there's so much stuff about him. But yeah, uh, Kubrick, in fact, speaking of Kubrick, mm. uh, he said about this film, it's a great film, not funny. Right, okay. Well, he, he said it should he's have half been, right. Yeah. He, well, he, should, he said it should have been a serious film. It should have been a drama. It should have been a war epic yeah. or whatever. It should have been that. It's not funny. And uh, and, and Kubrick right is absolutely spot on with that. Um, Another guy famous for not being particularly funny. Um, but <laughs> he, he's absolutely correct here. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of moments, isn't there? I think early on when there's the, at the press conference, when Stillwell first comes into it, you've got the horrible sexual politics of, is it Donna, I think, who is yeah. turned on by aeroplanes and you've got yeah. her ex-boyfriend trying to manipulate her into a plane. That's gross. That's not funny. Um, but when they keep cutting away from them, there's this kind of series of calamitous events that are happening. Mm. But you just said it before. They're really short. It's like, because he knocks the joystick, it knocks the guy off the wing, which sets off this and then it ends up with a bomb rolling out of the plane doesn't it towards the stage and blowing up Mm. those little snippets are quite what would be funny in a different film Mm. they sort of made me think oh you know here's a moment that could have been funny again made me think of airplane it's those little kind of like visual gags quick poppy visual gags um the thing with airplane as well is there's what's great about airplane is you've got all the gags you love but every time yeah. you watch it you see another gag you never yeah it's true because there is yeah. co- even if it's a, a visual gag a verbal gag you know whatever it, there's always something that, mm-hmm. you've, that you've missed there's constantly so if you like if you're laughing and you miss a joke mm-hmm. you're already ready for the next one you're already yeah, re- yeah. ready for this ready for this, the punchline the setup and go you yeah. know with this again it's just like here's the gag here's yeah. the punchline. And even sitting through these bits, which are like two-second two snippets of being funny, you've got to keep coming back to this horrible sexual politics and unfunny moment of this of these two guys. And so even when it's something that's marginally amusing, you know two seconds later you're going to be back in that cockpit where you don't want to be. Because, you know, they say cockpit as if that's hilarious. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> so so funny. Great, great puns. Um, yeah. But I, I think you are right. Earlier on, you said, you know, it's just a lot of lads sat around, you know, going, oh, this will be funny. This will be great. Mm-hmm. This will be good. Well, I used to do some sketch comedy back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I was a bit more of a, I was a bit more, I could write better, snappier uh, mm-hmm. sketches than the long ones. The long ones mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't as good at. And that was kind of, that was I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm quite happy just doing those because mm-hmm. um, that's my skill set. I go, okay, yeah. that, that is what I can do. Um, we had a couple of friends who were stoners and, well, you know, there's a bit of uh, we we're not so friendly with them now anymore, but they 
would get stoned and write comedy. Mm-hmm. And they're not Seth Rogen. <laughs> they're absolutely, we're not Seth Rogen. They wrote this whole thing, and it was it was like it was like you know, um, uh, folk candles, right? It was basically that, but the whole the whole thing was that it was a it was a physical comedy thing. Mm-hmm. But the way they wrote it, it was just like th- this person gets this out, but the other person wants this. this right. Person. Okay. And it, it just and I was like, I'm not doing that sketch because I don't get it. I don't so think it's funny. This is like the Three Stooges type stuff, which this is obviously aiming for. As yeah, well. it's kind of. I don't know a lot of that. Three Stooges. If I'm honest. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's like the Four Candles was two Ronnies, but it's again, it's okay. kind of in that similar vein. But yeah, where that's funny, this really wasn't, and it basically ended up being very calamitous, and it was just like, oh hello, and it's just and it was just them kind of throwing props around. It wasn't mm. funny, and they smashed a light bulb, and we had to clear it off while we were performing. <laughs> It was a fucking nightmare. Um, lovely, lovely guys for the for the most part, apart from um, the uh, <laughs> apart from some money that that kind of went into the wrong pocket or into the wrong places and uh, hmm. led led to a, a disagreement. But anyway, I'm got, got smoked probably. Probably more than likely, more than likely. Um, <laughs> so yes, we uh, we we're not that close to them anymore. But yeah, it was just. It, it it like t- comedy is tough, and even even yeah. Spiel- Spielberg has quoted himself as saying, "It's not my wheelhouse." It was fucking tough. Like it, yeah, I bet. It, it, well, it says expletive the quote I found, but he went, "It's tough. It's effing yeah. tough, or whatever, shitting tough, whatever expletive you want to put in there." Um, you know, it's it's not easy. It's not a thing. Yeah. And again, like artists are allowed to take risks. They're allowed to try things. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And not all of it's going to work. Like you, you do learn and you, you know, make mistakes and you, you should have the ability to do that. Mm. Um, you know, some producers don't necessarily like that. I know on the screening, the producers all came over and they said, one, yeah. of, them, one of them said, there's a film in here somewhere. We should really go out and find it. <laughs> and all the other producers just didn't want to talk to him. But yeah. Again, again, they didn't lose money. Again, they no. made money, but it wasn't, Close Encounters, Jaws money, which is what no. they're after. Absolutely, um, of course they were. So, so it might be it might be perceived as a as a box office bomb, but again, it is not. It is definitely it's a, a critical flop, isn't it? But it's a commercial success. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Again, like like we said, it's not as good. But we were talking about um, some gags that work better in other films as well, and you pointed one out to me actually, mm. uh, which was the whole eggs gag with mm. uh, Treat Williams' character. Treat Williams, I love as well. I think he's a great actor. I love him in Hair and all the stuff he's done. Um, Dead Heat's a good one as well, if you've ever seen mm, that. I have, uh, yeah, yeah. Love that one. That's a, that's a zombie buddy cop movie. Brilliant. Yeah. And and he's very much uh, a Biff character, isn't he? And mm. you you pointed out that there's there's a gag that goes on, on with him and Eggs, which is quite similar to, to what happens yeah. with Biff uh, from the writers of Back to the Future. Yeah, again, perhaps perfecting their craft here. Although, you know, Biff is kind of rapey too. So... There are some. There's definitely some commonalities yeah. between those characters because he he's very the but he's the bully. He's the aggressive sexual bully, isn't he? Oh, um, it's gross. Yeah, and I think there's there's not enough humour with that character. There's nothing funny about that character. No, not at other all. Other than he's like, I don't like eggs. I don't like eggs. I don't like eggs. And again, yeah. it doesn't land. And then and then you've it's got just his, a sexual predator who is like yeah. he's got his eyes on this woman and he's going to get a no matter what no matter who stands his way he's going to do with her yeah. whatever he wants it's gross yeah and it's it's supposed to be funny and charming it's and supposed like, to be funny yeah it's just like it's just like he literally you have her friend who's like chasing after him so I guess it's supposed to be like a again it's that zany thing like he's chasing her but she's chasing him and all I kept thinking was what the hell does she see in him 
Yeah, absolutely. She was like, you're for me, you're the man for me. Yeah. And it's supposed to, and also it's supposed to be funny that she's a little overweight or not quite his type. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. which I, I thought was not very nice either to to the you know poor actress. Uh, yeah. or you know, the idea of it's like, oh well, I don't want you because you're not quite her. Exactly. Which, which it infers that she because she's more overweight or you know, yeah. a, a larger lady. I don't want to offend any any ladies out there that are, you know, have a larger frame. Yeah. You know, I've got a larger frame as well. So um, she, she's you know. not she's not your Hollywood starlet. No, exactly. And the other yeah. one it very much is like they joined yeah. the USO show and stuff, and it's she's not your average. Hollywood starler, like you've said, but and I think there's a gag there. There's supposed to be some comedy there, but I'm Definitely. like because she can fight too because she's brawny. Yeah, of course she knocks guys out, punches them, yeah. and she can throw him around. You know, yeah. so there's like, oh, he's not, he's he can't, he's not that masculine, but she is. Sort of, there's a there's a gag there, and I was. It definitely is. Yeah. Again, is I can it, see the gags, but they're not. It's the no. execution of them. Is it is it Billy? Is that, is that the character that the um, the daughter the character? Yeah, I think so. Is yeah. our, Ned Beatty's daughter's character. Yeah, yeah, like again, she very much fits a kind of Hitchcockian Spielberg mold, doesn't she? She's very kind of Willy from Temple of Doom. Yeah. Watching that documentary that you sent me, mm. there was a lot of Spielberg with a camcorder uh, talking to her and spending time around her, I noticed. Oh, really? Um, so she was his... definitely an object of his affection, I think. Yeah. Well, the, well, he met a, you know, the very similar blonde Temple of Doom, you know, similar character. Yeah. He was like, absolutely. I love annoying women that scream, they're the best. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're my favorite. Yeah. That is my kink. I love, I love characters. Annoying Each characters. their own, right? Each, Each their own. Annoying blonde women from the 30s, 40s that scream a lot. Uh, yeah. They're my favorite. <laughs> but yeah, he's, def- you know. that is definitely true. We've, mm. we've solved that today. Tarantino feet, Spielberg, yes. annoying, historic. <laughs> It's blonde bombshells. Yeah. yeah, so the, the, the accurate blonde bombshells. The, the right. Blonde bombshells thing. So yeah, we and we talked about uh Hitchcock and his his ladies as well in our last podcast. We did. So, yeah. It's all it's all coming together, these these bloody directors and their their kinks. There's a oh. character I've got to ask you about. Sure. When we're at the we go to like the ocean front and they um the two guys get put up on the Ferris wheel, which I know they wanted to be the honeymooner guys was it Art Carney and oh yeah and um, oh, what's I think what the other person's called Art Carney yeah because uh, Art Carney was in uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special as you know yes uh, of course yeah yeah um, and uh, oh, God, what was his name forget it right the, the... But by this point they weren't talking were they, so they no no so we have like the kind of the grumpy old man and then we have the younger guy who are put together and they're like on watch aren't they in a Ferris wheel over the seafront and it turns out the younger guy's uh, a ventriloquist. I don't want to talk kill of people. Uh, Eddie Deason, I think, is the actor. I, I specifically looked his name up. Yeah, you've heard it. You've heard that voice before, haven't you? If you've heard that voice from every annoying nerd you've ever heard, yeah, in a film, and it usually is voiced by him. I think. I think. I think he might have been on Dexter's Lab as well. I played. I think. Oh, he played okay. the, I think he played the villain in Dexter's Lab. I think it's Mandrake or something. Or yeah, Moondark or whatever his name was. Um, but you've also got the mayor from Jaws up there, haven't you? Oh, is that who? Is that who that is? That's it. Yeah, it's a uh, Marie. Ah, I didn't pick that out. Yeah, that's that's him. He's, he's got big glasses on and a hat, but that is him. Funnily enough, uh, mm. on the documentary we watched, the uh, mm. they they were like, "Well, we cast, we want Eddie Deason in the film." They were like, "We need Eddie Deason in the film for some reason." Oh, um, and uh, and uh, Murray Hamilton went up to Spielberg and he went, "You know what? I'm not going to have any problem with playing oh. this part." And he said, "He said, oh, why is that, Murray Hamilton, uh, Mayor from Jaws?" He said, "Because I fucking hate this little bastard." <laughs> yeah, I am with him. He is so annoying. I um recently got. Chris and Dave on their VHS 
Strikes Back podcast. We're cr- crossing the streams here. Oh yeah, let's do to, it. Um, to review Ski Patrol. Oh right. And that has a character in that called Suicide, who is probably the worst screen character I've ever seen. Wow. Like I really like. I only watched that once, and I really took against him, and I kind of like stitched them right up, picked it, knowing how awful that film is, but particularly how awful that character is hmm. and the actor is. This guy comes close. Wow, really? I just, every second he was on screen, just, it's, you know, like nails on a chalkboard. I just, I couldn't, I just wanted him. <laughs> I wanted him off. <laughs> just blow up that bloody Ferris wheel already. Yeah. And that, and again. Feed that, him to the shark. That sequence of them blowing up the Ferris wheel, like. Right, yeah. Get to the gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just. Great effect. But... Great effect. Like, that's one of the best things. Uh, I think one. The music is good. I'll, I'll, I'll be positive. I think the music John Williams, is great. Right? John Williams, it's Spielberg's favourite march of a John Williams. I mean, that's not true, but all right. No, no I don't agree, but that's his particular <laughs> Yeah, <match>. It's <laughs> just, just I, I can't even remember what I was talking about now. Um, just, good, good bits. So the music. Bits. Yes, good. <laughs> see, it's so hard to hold on to these good bits. <laughs> Music, the dance choreography you've already mentioned, and the yeah. special effects, like the miniature work. The miniature's great. Like, all oh, just really good, really well done. I, I love the bit in the in the plane where it spins and Tim Matheson always falls out the window. Thought that yeah. effect looked great as well. Um, the dogfight stuff, the, the artillery, all of that. It's good. And, it and Spielberg spent, he says he should have, got an assistant director to do all this because I think this is why the it ballooned mm-hmm. out of budget. Now this is this is at a time as well. This is interesting because this is at a time where the big name directors are doing the big big budget flops. We're talking Heaven's Gate, we're talking Sorcerer yeah. uh, with William Freakin and um, mm, um you know you know, I love Sorcerer. I fucking mm. love Sorcerer. Just happened to come out the same weekend as Star Wars. <laughs> That's the only problem. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and this is the change in Hollywood because it's like yeah, yeah. They, they were give they were just piling money on them. They're like, you're a big name director, you've made these blockbusters, go go go. Deer Hunter was great, you know. Exorcist was great, go go go. You know, Jaws, Close Encounters was great. Have some money, money, money. And it it almost is this this uh, you know Apocalypse Now as well. Ford mm-hmm. Coppola makes Apocalypse Now big, balloons out budget again. And this changes Hollywood. This mm-hmm. included, among all those films, all the the auteurs. Like um, I can't remember what uh, bloody uh, Scorsese was making at the time, but again, I think it was like King of Comedy, maybe something like that. Um, yeah. And again, and again, all just yeah. And th- this ends that era of the auteur. This changes Hollywood, arguably for forever. Yeah. For the worse, for the better, whatever you may think. But it's the end of that kind of hubris of the director sure it it is like for all of them they i think they all learn a lesson from it i don't Mm -hmm. i don't think there's a single director out there who didn't go yeah maybe i shouldn't have made that or maybe i could have done this or you know Mm -hmm. how how many times is ford coppola and spielberg and george lucas going to stop playing around with their fucking films like that film is out like that it belongs to the the social consciousness i don't mind a good director's cut but yeah, five, yeah. five or six director's cuts down the line, I'm not bothered anymore. No, it's so minimal what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, I, I personally, I, I think Apocalypse Now is fine. Mm-hmm. Redu- the Redux added nothing for me. I've not even looked at the newest one because I'm like, don't mess with it. It's perfect. Don't touch it. There's not many director's cuts that make a massive difference. And, it, and if they do, it's because the film is only okay anyway. So, you know, something like 
Ridley Scott's Kingdom of Heaven jumps to mind. Sure. But the director's cut of that is a lot better, but it's still only a decent movie. It's because mm. it was really crap before, but now it's it's pretty decent. Mm. Films that were already basically great anyway, and they wanted to tweak this and change that. Yeah, I don't I don't think now, as you said, I think it's a social conscious thing. I think because it's in our heads so strongly, we don't necessarily feel we need those changes. No. And speaking of director's cuts, you watched the theatrical cut. I did. Yeah, which is a little under two hours. I decided to torture myself and, <laughs> and watch the director's cut just for uh, just for shits and giggles. And the like I said, first half an hour, I'm like, yep, the novelty has run out. Yeah, uh, and I've still got, I've still got two hours left. <laughs> I could watch two. I could watch another film for the same, like a better film. Could. I could, I could watch Spielberg's other films. One of them, any, any of the many I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it ran out, and um, I don't really think you missed anything. I don't think it adds anything from the differences we've compared. I've got, I found a website online, I think mm. it's Movie Censorship, and they compare different cuts of films, and they'll tell you exactly what the differences are um, thematically, and yeah. timings, everything. It's a really good website, actually. Check it out if you if you want to know the difference between a few different cuts of films. Um, but yeah, I think it, what I picked out interestingly is what you were talking about there still obviously wasn't enough in your version there was a little bit more of a through line Mm. um with willie appearing in a couple more scenes or having a bit more character development perhaps he has a bit more motivation Mm. between for me it's basically the restaurant scene where they're having the weird backwards and forwards in the kitchen yeah and then the argument in the actual diner right and then essentially we're we're cutting to the garage and then we're cutting to the dance fit really okay in my version so you had a bit more where he was like getting his suit and yeah, he again not the most likable characters in this film. Probably no. the least likable John Candy role you'll ever see as well, which mm. is it's fucking hard to pull off to make John Candy unlikable. Um, he plays just an out and out racist and is quite proud of the fact that he's an out and out racist as well. Um, but these lads to steal a zoot suit they can't afford, they mm-hmm. pretend to set off an air siren. And again, yeah. this goes back to my earlier idea: is make him the cause yeah, of yeah. panic. Yeah. And then have him try and fix it, fix this problem. Um, have you ever seen a film called Miracle Mile? I'm going to say no because I can't yeah. think of what it would be. So that's that's fine. Don't worry. It's uh, it's basically a it's a nuclear uh, it's a nuclear Armageddon film. So mm-hmm. so a young lad who's played by the uh, goose from Top Gun. He oh yeah, pop- Anthony Edwards. Okay. Yeah, he uh, he picks up a phone in LA while going to meet his girlfriend, and this guy says. We're going to be. Bo- I'm going to set off a nuclear bomb, and the, the reactor is going to blow. Mm-hmm. And then he goes around. He tells a ton of people in this diner, mm-hmm. and then mass hysteria. Yeah, um, takes over LA. I think it is, um, and that is basically what I think this right. film could have been. Yeah, um, it it does have comedic moments. It have dark moments. It does have something. I won't spoil the ending, but they they did think the ending should be changed. But that might be because you know it might not have made that much money um mm. but, but we check it out it's not not i wouldn't say it's an amazing film it's an interesting film and mm. uh, to That's be sure but i think there's something of that in this um yeah. and there's something that this is missing and again mm. just too too much going on too many different things mm. too many different parts um but yeah on the whole not great no no, and just like so many misjudged moments, as you were talking and I was listening, yeah. like a couple of things were like just so misjudged, like coming back to some of the race stuff. There's the yeah. tank fight between Dan Aykroyd and Frank oh, McRae. Good God. Where they end up like one a black yeah. guy ends up with a white face and a white guy ends up with a black face and it's supposed to be hilarious. And like, they're like, we're different. 
and yeah yeah the moment just doesn't pay off at all and uh, you know perhaps if there'd been some sort of decent commentary earlier on or things have been called out this would have really paid off what we what what was necessary but um yeah it doesn't work in the moment does it and like the only character really that that sees sense in all this and and sees it from the start and again could have been a character to like go no no you're doing it wrong or this is you know mm. he says oh this is the state of this isn't the state of California this is the state of Matt Ackroyd's oh, character yeah yeah uh, well yeah well uh, actually Stillwater I think is uh, still, oh, okay. Stillwater he says that but then Ackroyd's character is like oh, I hate seeing Americans fight Americans yeah and then he goes on this kind of almost Trumpian type. Yeah, speech about the foreign people invading and taking over, and you don't want that. We shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be fighting the, you know. There's even a caric- a racist caricature on the dance floor. Did you see that? I don't know if I did. No, there's, there's a, a. I think it's Hirohito. Is it Hirohito? Is it Hirohito? Or the the Japanese leader at the time. I think something like that. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess and I'll say that's it. And it's it's Hitler in a kind of a you know, oh, wow. racist kind of caricatures on the dance floor, like, oh, we're going to step on their faces. But I'm like, ooh, that was, yeah. uh, along with all the obvious other racist stuff, I was like, uh, yeah, not not great. But, um, yeah, I just, like, he could, Stillwater's like, uh, he likes Dumbo. That's the, his gag. Yeah, I, like, yeah, I, yeah. I like Dumbo, and I just want to keep watching Dumbo, no matter what's going on outside. And, again, that could have worked if, like, again, there was – more you know madness maybe in the cinema screen and he's still watching like yeah. if, it, if it was an airplane style thing it would be yeah. like it would have okay. come in actually it would have come into the cinema yes exactly, exactly. and he still would have kept watching yeah and he's like oh don't worry that's fine and it's this guy's like no sir it's this like that that would have been the gag and it's almost like you just it just takes a little tweaking it could have yeah. worked i think there's yeah. just a slight realignment of the timing of of the pace of it um two and a half hours is too long for a comedy oh yeah i'll, I'll, I'll yeah. screw up it's it's too long for most films i'd say uh yeah you know it's it's very rare i'll sit down i know nowadays a lot of the big films are two and a half hours anyway i know i think the batman is 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 coming to three hours i think the new batman oh, film um but you know as long as it's done well I, I, as long as i don't notice the time i'm not mm-hmm, shifting mm-hmm. sleep and i'm not going to the toilet you know it grabs my attention then it's fine but like hour and a half, hour and a half is good for me. Two hours, just about like funny people, which I didn't find very funny, um, went on for two plus hours, and I'm like, what is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like you've you? It's almost like a Michael Bay movie. You hit the finale in the middle, and then you've got another hour left for no reason. You're like, yeah. you've you said all you need to say about these transforming robots, Michael. You don't need to say any more. That was a huge, amazing action sequence, and now you're just carrying on the story for no reason. It's like a micro and a macro, isn't it? For mm. 1941 like the micros yeah. you know the scenes drag on too long like the um ones just jumped into my head as you were talking when they're when they're at the house by the by the uh the beach shop where they place yeah, the yeah. gun and the yeah. dad's lining up the site we see that the site is lined up incorrectly so it's going to blow up the house yeah but it's not for another five minutes whilst we watch the mum and again it could be funny if it's done properly she's tidying up things from the house which makes no sense because the whole house is going to get destroyed yeah. like there's that like- micro and macro is like and they tell they really telegraph the gag oh. as well. Like it's like, uh, 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 uh. Like the targeting the targeting device or crosshair, yeah. whatever, is on the ship. The turret is pointed at the house. That's the gag. That's the visual yeah. gag. And the mum is being in the window and the gun is pointed at her. And someone's like, uh, 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 uh. And again, it goes on and yeah. on. And, on, and and we know where it's going. We know what the gag is going to be. But we're still like, uh, 
this is gonna be funny. Well, just you wait. It's gonna be funny. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's just not. like, and you're like, I know what's gonna happen. I see it coming a mile off. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like you know, people talk about telegraphing punches. You know, you can see it coming a mile away, and it's not. It's not funny. It's not interesting. No. Yeah, and it's it's like paint by numbers comedy. It's like mm-hmm. you know, you know, like you're a you're a dad. You know, when like uh, you know, kids are learning to tell jokes for the first time, you know, and they're like, you know, ha ha ha, poo, you know, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, sure. like knock knock poo, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I, I see that that you find poo funny, yeah, but you you haven't got the timing or the structure of the joke. You can't. That's yeah. not something you can figure out just yet. But you're but you're trying. You're trying, yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're working. You're piecing it together. You are learning. But initially, it's just like you know jokes like that. Um, and eventually, they'll go that gets the best reaction. You know, yeah. Again, it's like an experiment. But yeah, it's just it's almost like that. It's like I have a funny idea. This is a funny idea. Here is my funny idea. Look at me showing you my funny idea. Like you're explaining a joke to us, and instantly it's not funny. Agreed. Like, and if you'd cut out four of those steps, hmm. the joke would have been funny, and the film would have been an hour shorter. And again, we're talking about his skill set is narrative, timing, mm-hmm. storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he's telling that story, but it, it's not, it, he's telling that story, he's telling that joke, and it could be funny, but it's just. The length of time, I think, again, yeah. it's the timing aspect for me of those jokes. And that, is, for me, is the, the main crux of this. The length mm-hmm. of time, again, of the film. So these gags, are, again, they're too yeah. long. And they're like, well, I, I filmed this much, so that's gonna have, that gag has to stay in because it's this long. Yeah. It was almost like, I've got all this stuff, I'm going to use it all. Yeah. These are all my gags. And again, yeah. e- and even the gags, like the like the eggs, when he the guy who doesn't treat William doesn't like the eggs, he's the bully, he's the you know. And then Back to the Future, the manure, I don't like manure, don't get manure on me. Mm. And again, it's a repeated gag. And again, we see we see that manure gag in like all three films, and it still works. Yeah, absolutely. We've yeah, seen yeah. it. We've seen it every single time in every in the future, in the past, in the present, in the 1950s. You know, we see it three or four times. Yeah. And we still laugh every time, but not here, like no. not here at all. But yes, I think we have probably said <laughs> all we can say about 1941. So I'm just going to I'm just going to move on. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to come we're coming slowly to to a close. I think I think I don't think there's anything else I wanted to say. If there, is there any other kind of uh, trivia or anything else you wanted to mention, maybe? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, in the end credits, we get like these moments, don't we, of characters. We get the, you know, the classic kind of, it's not a still frame here. It's, you know, a few seconds of footage. Yeah. It? Just mostly characters shouting or screaming with, you know, like Dan Aykroyd. Ah! Um, oh, that, that gag where he gets knocked on the head and he just goes insane. Mm. It's not funny. It just not goes, funny. He's just like, <laughs> and he starts. Yeah. Tinting, tinting. The, the bit where he puts tights on his head, he's got two oranges. He's like, I'm a bug. It made me think of um, It's Escaping Now. What's the film that you, you did at, just before Christmas uh, with the son who's putting on the tights? It's the woman. Oh, with the- uh, oh uh, New Year's Evil. Yeah, yeah. It made me think of New Year's <laughs> Evil. Um, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is that. And it's not funny there. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it doesn't have any place in that movie, nor in this one. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, so we have that. We have these end credits, don't we? Mm. And they give the dummy a credit. Hilarious. Oh, God. Um, so funny. But also, I don't know if it was just me, but that dummy looks a lot like Steven Spielberg. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> are, you say, are you saying that he knew... 
what he was doing and he he was like i am a dummy I'm no a I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying maybe i made that connection at the end of that movie because i just couldn't take it anymore you're a dummy spielberg you're yeah a dummy um <laughs> uh, the uh i will say the this was voted in uh afi's uh, this was was nominated in the in yeah. two uh, 2000s list in 2000 for the 500 funniest American sorry so it's out of 500 films it yeah. was nominated to be one of the top 100 funniest American movies That's bollocks yeah absolutely I'm glad that didn't make the uh, didn't make that particular list uh, I'd like to see what's on it though I would like oh, to see what's if-, if that was nominated and there was a Blu-ray released back in 2015 which got a new sound mix. And was rest- and the score was restored as well, mm-hmm. uh, and this impressed Spielberg so much he did an exhibition of it. So he thinks that sound mix and that he, he thinks that's fixed it. That's done. It was too loud. <laughs> People thought it was too loud, and the the music was too loud. The effects were too loud. So I'd the sound what, mix. I go to one of those live orchestral things. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I go watch John Williams doing the doing the score for it. That'd be great. That'd be fine. I'd be up for that. Just don't bother putting it on on the screen in the background. Nah, just just close Leave your that eyes. Blank. Just close your eyes and imagine a funnier film. Uh, yeah. That's what I'd do. Uh, they did a screening of it as well that year, and uh, they released the restored score on CD. And Gail turned up, uh, Fetishan, Fate Shan, so I think it was the producer, uh, Tim Matheson and Nancy Allen turned up as well. And and they loved being in the film. They said it was just a great party. We had a great time. Lots of fun. I bet it was. I bet it's it was that classic saying, though, isn't it? That thing of like, if you're having a good time on set, it doesn't often doesn't translate to being a good time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I imagine they had a great time. <laughs> I'm glad they did. Yeah, like somebody, it's like somebody had to have a good time making it because it's not that great. Nobody had a good watch. time watching it. I <laughs> know <laughs> we didn't, um, but yes, I think that's uh, everything I wanted to say in that regard. I'm just gonna have a. I'm just gonna have a look at the Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm mm. gonna I'm gonna do this for for this one because uh, for this format I don't usually do it, but I think it's interesting to see yeah. where the divide is. So uh, the out of 24 reviews, it's got uh, 42%. So that is a rotten rating. Generous. Um, that is generous, I think. And then uh, 48% audience score. So it's not not too dissimilar um, with between the and that's 10,000 people's ratings. But that means uh, 5,000 people think this is good. Yeah. My God. That's that's maths. That's the maths of 1941. Do you think the title is good? I think it's a confusing title. I think you could like you could confuse what this is about. Like yeah. if, you, if you went, I want to watch a, a Spielberg movie called 1941. I went, oh yeah, I love Spielberg. He does, you know, yeah, yeah, list, yeah, yeah. you know, Saving Private Ryan, Raiders, you know, yeah. go, oh yeah, that sounds great. And then you see this. It doesn't provide you with the tone at all, no. Because there was 1917, wasn't it? Sam Mendes, but like that's yeah. uber serious. And sure. yeah. And that comes across it. And the marketing as well, it doesn't necessarily say it's a cut. If you watch that like initial trailer, mm. it's mm-hmm. just like Steven Spielberg, 1941. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's kind of it. It's not like maybe, this, maybe whoever was in charge of marketing knew it wasn't funny. Probably. And they were like, oh, how do we sell this? Right. I mean, imagine <laughs> having that job. No oh. thanks. You know, like they get paid a lot of marketers, but they do have a they do have a, a hard job of it. We'll put it that way. But yeah, so this is some of the reviews very shortly as well on there. David Muser of Real Film Reviews says a somewhat interminable misfire. Uh, one out of four. <laughs> That's a rotten review. Uh, yeah. da- Danielle Salzman of Salzies at the Movies 
led by some of the biggest names in comedy at the time, 1941 is Steven Spielberg's most underrated film of all time. Of Uh, all time. Of all time. You know, I like Temple of Doom. I think that's pretty underrated, but again, I know it has its problems. Um, Compared to this, Temple of Doom is a is a masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. Um, here's another review from Emmanuel Levy from EmmanuelLevy.com. This wannabe satire of World War II is the first one of the few commercial flops, not commercial flops, really, no. um, in Spielberg's otherwise distinguished and popular output. Um, I'm not sure it's a satire either, if I'm honest. No, I'd say it's closer to probably a parody, screwball, yeah. comedy thing. Yeah. I don't think it's... No. I don't think it's even trying to do anything it's smart. Not, it's not clever. It's definitely not, no. it's not clever enough for a satire. It is not no. even, it is not even Robocop of satires, you know? No. And, and that's pretty on the nose for me. Uh, Robert Gonsalves of eCritic.com says, I love 1941. I don't apologise to you or my fellow <laughs> critics or even Spielberg for that. <laughs> so uh, I don't know why that reminds me of an Andy Andy, angry Andy. Yeah, Reeves. sure. I love 1941. I don't apologise to you or my fellow critics or even Spielberg. I like it. Um, he doesn't want to apologise to Spielberg for liking it. You can like my movies. It's fine. This I like this movie. No, I don't want to apologise for liking it. I wonder if a lot of this is what you said right back at the start, you know, mm. bring it full circle where Spielberg likes his circles, mm. um, is that people who watch this when they were kids. Yeah. And as a kid, I can see you finding some of this funny. I can, I can probably see that. Oh, yeah. And perhaps bringing that nostalgia with you and like, not being willing to watch it with an adult critical eye, I can see that you might still say it's good. Yeah, I think I think kids could get something out of it, but then there's a lot of racism. <laughs> yes, yeah, we don't want to take the views out of it. Yeah, we, we don't want to take those views, but you know, you can you can watch Kelso running after his own plane and stuff. That's fine. Yeah, I think I can see kids finding that shit. They go, ha ha, he's he's a silly man and he's running after the plane. Yeah, you know, I can see that. Um, let's see what else have we got. Unworkable farce says Ian Freer of Empire Magazine. It may be, but is also blessed with the buzz of brilliance. Yeah, I don't know about you, Empire. Not sure about that one. Let's read one more, and then we'll uh, then we'll go. It may possibly be that Mr. Spielberg has chosen gigantic size and unlimited quantity as his comedy method, in the awareness that he has no gift whatsoever. He has no gift whatsoever for small-scale comic conceits. So I actually actually think that's... Yeah, I think it's spot on. I'll I'll repeat that as well. It may be possible that... It may possibly be that Mr. Spielberg has chosen gigantic size and unlimited quantity as his comedy method in the awareness that he has no gift whatsoever for small-scale comic conceits. Yeah, Um, definitely. Trying to cover it up by going big. Yeah, I like that. That was by Vincent Camby, who's a famous uh, reviewer from New York Times. So that was, I believe that was probably at the time the film came out, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. He also did a scathing review of um, Heaven's Gate around the time mm. as well, similar time. Uh, again, talking about those auteurs yeah. that, um, that auteur era. So big question is that we may have already answered a little bit, is did Steven Spielberg go in the wrong direction with 1941 well i mean the answer is yes but you put out you, but you put out there that really fascinating insight of like yes but it turned out to be a good thing so yeah. yes but no yes and no 
So yeah. uh, there's no there's no definitive answer. There is absolutely no definitive answer, and I I don't really like having definitive answers in the podcast no. anyway. I like I like having the you know everyone's got an opinion, everyone's got a choice, and and we particularly did not care for this film, and there are other people's the other people's or the people absolutely love this yeah. and and think it's amazing. And and again, fair play to them. But yeah, I think I think I agree with my, I agree with myself and and you and my earlier statement. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I think this needed to happen for him to yeah. ascend. Like this could have killed his career easy. Yeah, this yeah, could yeah. have easily killed his career. He could have gone nowhere. <laughs> like Michael Cimino in Heaven's Gate, he went yeah. absolutely spiraled after Heaven's Gate and everything. But you know what? Fair play to uh, old Spielberg. He pulled up his bootstraps. He went, "Yep, I can bounce back. I know what I'm doing. I know what I've done wrong. I'll go back to what I know best." And again, he is funny. He knows how to do comedy, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. not this type of comedy. Uh, not without you know a decent protagonist. And and again, there's none of those classic techniques we were talking about, like the zoom. Not at all. The, it's unrecognisably a Spielberg movie. There's nothing about this that's a Spielberg movie at all. Nothing at all. I know Milius was supposed to direct it initially, but he was right. given his uh, pet project, which I think was a surfer film, I think. Um, I could be wrong. Oh, it's not Big Wednesday, is it? No. That's yeah, it might be. Yeah, I think it might be Big Wednesday. I think it might be Big Wednesday. I could be wrong. Anyway. He's definitely um, a big surfer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a big surf dude. Um, but yeah, I think I think so too. So yes and no. Um, mm. But please tell us if we're wrong. Leave it in the comments. Um, I'd be fascinated to hear, hear a really well-reasoned, argued... Absolutely, yeah. ...positive like outlook on this. I'd love to see what they have to say. Well... In fact, I've got some listener comments. And I've, mm. got one, I've got one coming up. I, uh, like you said, I would like a, a real deep dive on why. This yeah, is I would. An excellent film and why the comedy works and why why we're wrong, why we mm. are wrong. Uh, so, speaking of listener comments and speaking of angry Andy reviews mm. uh, on Twitter at Andy underscore reviews, check out his uh, a constant collaborator of mine. I've been on his show and he's been on mine. Uh, great uh, YouTube reviewer. He's currently reviewing things from Aldi. Uh, as a change, <laughs> as a as a change of pace, uh, which I I actually thought was one of his better reviews. I quite enjoyed him trying to put together a microwavable burger from Aldi. So uh, go and check that one out. Uh, so Angry Andy says it's an unwieldy mess of too much going on. Mm. The comedy would work if it wasn't telegraphed, mm-hmm. and if the satire was there fully. Instead, there's too many characters bumbling around. Should have been a drama, but this film clearly taught Spielberg that less is more, for a time anyway. I mean, so we've just wasted 90 minutes. We could have just read out Andy's... God damn it. God damn it, Andy. Thanks. (laughs) Done it again. Ruined it again. (laughs) Again, but again, it's all the stuff we talked about. It's all the stuff, you know. He knows his films, you know. He he absolutely... not, Not far from what... Bloody Kubrick said, in fact, you yeah. know, there's a lot of stuff going on, the telegraphing, the bumbling. Um, and again, Spielberg learned his lesson. So yeah, we yeah. found out. So we're going to go over to uh, Instagram now. So uh, I've got a new a new follower, I think. I think he's quite recent. Uh, he's called Xander, good, a name you like, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, 6981. And he says, I always really liked 1941. It's a very different Spielberg movie but has a manic energy I find entertaining. It helps to watch the longer director's cut, does it? 
<laughs> which comes in at roughly two and a half hours. I can tell you it does because I felt every second. Um, again, we respect your opinion, but uh, which is an insane runtime for a comedy. I agree. Yeah. Um, it is also it also first sets up what would be the recurring themes in the future of movies for Spielberg, World War Two, the love of aviation, the big musical number at a dance hall. That's it. That's his whole right. comment. So, so again, there's there is merit to this yes. film not being that good. Interesting that yeah, even that positive review is kind of putting a positive spin on some of the things that perhaps we picked out as as being not as being negative, but you know, we picked out and said like it taught him those lessons, hmm. but, but it was a really hard lesson to learn. But I like I like the fact that he's sort of giving it that positive spin. That's nice. Yeah, I, I think, um, like, I always, I, again, I don't want to just slag off movies and say they're awful and the shit and stuff. I don't like doing that. I try and avoid it when I can. And again, there's, I will say this about it. You don't get comedy epics. Sure. You just don't get them. They don't happen anymore. Maybe this is the reason why, maybe not. Mm. I don't know. But you don't get these big ensemble. I think the closest thing you probably get is stuff like, I don't know, like Valentine's Day and New Year's Day and stuff with all the right, stars yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. And it's like this sappy rom-com stuff. Uh, again, not really my bag, even though I've seen them uh, to, to my, you know, dread and regret. Um, you know, they've got these big names, big stars, mm, mm. you know, headline, big parts, but just in this poor... Like, yeah. Is it like... Bit. I've never seen it, but like Movie 44, is that what it's called? That's got all that. Yeah, again, that's that's a collection of sketches with a lot of people yeah. that signed on to do something very, very shit. But uh, yeah, I've not seen that. And that's not one that's going to be on my uh, my watch list for the podcast, especially not. Um, I'm, especially- I'm busy that day, sorry. <laughs> I'll just get Andy to watch some more shit films. <laughs> Punish him even more. What a discussion. I have to say that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And uh, I think I've 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 come out better and a, a better human being for uh, having shared this experience with you. Um, we've been in the trenches, lit- quite literally in the trenches. We have. Uh, this was a big one. And much like Spielberg, we've come out better people on the other side. Yeah. I yeah, I like to think so. I like to think so. And uh, I have a new appreciation for this film and understanding that has I think enforced and inferred on Spielberg's greatest success that's mm. come after. So, oh, you know, we're glad, in a way, we're glad this film got made, I think. In yeah, a way, I, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it, you know, if he if he feels that way and we can see that, we can see that there were some lessons learned and it helped him become the filmmaker he became, then definitely I'm, I'm glad because so many of his works are important to me as a person and to society in general in terms of like filmmaking and, and what films mean to people, you know. You can list off, I don't know how, how many of his films, which would be yeah. somebody's favourite film of all time. Easy. You know, easy. A, you know a lot of his movies will, will, will be e- in people's top e- 10, e- top 5. Raiders, like you said, Saving Private Ryan. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's again, there's, there's lesser ones in that pantheon, but I think as directors go, as big-name directors go, he's got a good he's got a good pedigree, he's a good selection. You know, yeah. you can just go, yeah, yeah, and you know it's Spielberg. You can recognise... Even mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. even if you don't know his name, even if you don't know who's behind the camera, what's going on, yeah. you you can feel his touch and his yeah. his style. On Something the- like Hook, which is you know arguably a lesser Spielberg movie, and, and I, I I mean that in terms of like like the direction of it, like it, that mm-hmm. is a lesser Spielberg movie in terms of like it's not instantly familiar as being his. Yeah, but still has enough about it that it's clearly a Spielberg movie. Yeah, um, it didn't. He does sometimes pick some great. Uh, child actors in a lot of these films, mm. you know, uh, 
Alia and um, you know Short Round in uh, Temple of Doom. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he's great. I think Hooky. There was a bit of a misfire with the young girl uh, that he cast mm. as uh, as Peter's daughter. But you know, fair play to her. I can't I can't criticize you. Uh, you know, child actors. But it was, yeah, that that particular part of that particular film uh, didn't really work for me. Uh, I do like Hook. I, I you know arguably love Hook in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I'd agree that it's not one of the better Spielbergian and films great great uh great discussion and i hope a lot of people got a lot out of it and a, and a bit a deeper appreciation for for mr spielberg and his work i think i might you know what i might even go watch west side story and see what that's like check that out i wouldn't have released it the same day as spider-man which they did um yeah. but that's that's not my decision to make disney studios uh disney plus or whoever you're whoever's in charge of these days and all that mm-hmm. content but there you go um so jack you are the Master podcaster, uh, blaster, uh, not a disaster. No, absolutely. Not. <laughs> not it, does, it does right. The, the film was, but not you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment, where people can find you, what, mm. pod, what podcasts you're doing, what kind of topic, maybe what's coming up, what have we got to look forward to as well, and, and any yeah. uh, and any social media uh, links and stuff that you want to put out there if you're if you'd like to do that. Yeah, thank you, good sir. So I'm part of the Comics Emotion family, which you are now officially inducted into. Ooh, um, which is good. great news. You were already, you know, like kind of a, you were part of the extended family, but now like we've drawn you in into the inner circle, which is yeah. great. I'm, I'm, um, on the little, I'm on the little Discord. I'm probably on it too much, if anything. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> and that's a wonderful place to be. You know, we've often talked about this, this idea, you know, the darkness of the internet and social media. But if you find that right corner, um, it's only brightness. And that's that's how I feel about that group of people. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, we already had our own established relationship, but now some some of those worlds are combining together, which is lovely. Hmm. So I'm part of that lovely network and have a couple of shows, which I'm regularly on. I'm on Seasons Greetings mm-hmm. and Indie Comic Spotlight with the wonderful Tony Farina. One looking at TV series from season one through to the end. Surprisingly, that one's called Seasons Greetings. And one looking at comics, not from the big two, from Marvel or DC. Surprisingly, that's called Indie Comic Spotlight. Mm. So that's great. And it just means, you know, same as yourself, it means I get to have a regular chat with somebody that I'm good friends with and we just get to enjoy the things we enjoy and, and talking about them. Absolutely. I've been enjoying your uh, uh, Comics in Motion book club as well today. So oh, of course, yeah. Part, so recently hosted well. Comics in Motion. Yeah, a few from Desiat hosted that. So that's the wonderful place thing about Comics in Motion as a place is that you get drawn into all these different places. Yourself, you've been on two Book of Boba Fett, so I've been on yeah. one. Because we're an extended family, we just help each other out whenever we need they need somebody to jump in. So yeah, it's absolutely wonderful in that way. Absolutely. Then- I couldn't couldn't recommend it enough. If you're not if you're not part of it, if you want to be part of it, get stuck in, get socializing with us on the social medias. Um, it's it, when uh, when Dave said, I put it, I said it on the last podcast when Dave said, "Oh, you're part of the extended family." That felt really nice and felt mm. really good. And you know, I spoke on Andy's behalf because he speaks enough. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, but yeah, it's it's really such a genuinely good feeling, and and it's trustworthy as well. Like, mm. I've I've given I've given people passwords to stuff to to streaming services and other stuff, and I'm like. I wouldn't give this to some of the people I know in person, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable. I trust them enough to give stuff like that out and, and know that it's going to be used wisely. I think I've given you a few, a couple of uh, yeah. stream, streaming passwords and stuff. I'm like, yeah, go crazy. Go watch demons, you know, go have some fun. Um, you know, I'm more than happy to do that. Cause again, I'd like just genuine love and appreciation for, for all the people on there. They're, they're great. Mm. All, all of them are good. They are. And I think it's a really open community, which is lovely because this is why it keeps expanding, right? You know, it's not mm. off for me. I went on Tony's show 
once to talk about um, Firefly comics, and then 18 months later or something like that now, here we, here we are, you know, every, every week pretty much on somebody's podcast doing something. So, you know, there's always opportunity for everybody and, and we keep growing the family and keep, keep including more and more people and also like fresh new voices on podcasts. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like I, I love like I love listening to like Ria's show and, mm. and and hearing all the kind of stuff she's talking about is amazing. And I think there should be way more of that. Um, you know, wherever we can get it. And the fact that Comics in Motion has given her that platform to do that and to to say that and to, you know, and to have her uh her views on Margaret Thatcher as well, you know, that she's got a platform, <laughs> finally got a platform for that is amazing. She's uh, got a Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> I never realised. Uh, it's about, like if I love, I just love the uh, on the on the, the V Fundetta podcast. She's like, uh, you know, I fucking hate her, fucking hate her, fucking bitch, fuck her hard. She's a cunt. Uh, um, I don't like Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favourite bit. I don't, know, I don't know if you know that, but I don't like her. Um, my, that was that was more funny than Comedy all of that. timing. Yes, I was about to say <laughs> that was it. She nailed it. It's just that that little gap. Was like I don't like Margaret Thatcher. Better than any of the timing in this film we just talked about. All Absolutely, of it. all of it. But yeah, great stuff. Um, but yes, uh, social media handles. Anything you want to pop out there? Yeah. I am. I am Jackson Musings. That's J A C S. That's where you'll find me as person, and then where I am as my collective is a pop gorilla. So you can also uh, find and please listen to the pop gorillas. That's yes. gorilla as in like enemy ter- military military yeah. soldiers rather than the, the monkey. Yeah. Um, again, probably a better joke than anything that was in 1941. <laughs> Um, so yeah find me in those two places yeah absolutely um, and if you're not not into the long form podcast Pop Gorillas is for you uh, no spoilers and uh, in less time it takes to listen to a song that's it that's the tagline you know boom it. I know it off by heart better than my own stuff <laughs> gotta remember my own script uh, but yes you can find me so it's at uh, Dan underscore balls on Twitter it is Spider Dan Secret Balls on Instagram and it's at Secret Balls on Facebook. So do all the usual stuff, like, share, subscribe, comment, etc. Don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle when you interact with us. And for everything else you need to know about the podcast, swing over to spiderdan and the secret balls on the World Wide Web. I'd like to also thank my patrons on Patreon. I am Jack's Musings. Bam, he's on the show. That's what you get for Patreon. Get on the show. <laughs> like Forget all the content I'm not delivering. Get on the show. It's fine. It's good. Um, Paul Meller, Max Byrne, Tony Farina, Scott Hodgson, Simon Cottom. Thank you for your continuing donations. It is very much appreciated and helps Prattle World keep on turning. And if you ever find yourself in a position to help the podcast, please consider it. And I hope you've enjoyed this new format, something we've tried out and I've been planning mm. for a very long time. And I know you've been clamoring for it, Jack. Uh, I have. And reminding me that I should fucking get on with it. Uh, (laughs) I was like, I just wanted to find the right topic, the right person. And I think I did. I think we found uh, the perfect starting point. So I hope to do a few more of these with maybe yourself or Andy or or wherever, whoever I can find that wants to talk about a specific director and and what they do. I'm here for it all. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, I think we will definitely do another one of these again in the near future. So uh, yes, that has been great. Thank you again, Jack. Brilliant. Um, join us on the Comics in Motion. Join the family. Get involved. Get stuck in. Listen more. Um, check out all of my guests, whatever they do. Mm. Just go and do. If you go on my website, I've got all my guest spots with with anybody that I've ever done something elsewhere. So please go subscribe, like, and all all that. Uh, especially Comics in Motion specifically, and all the the kind of tapering off and all mm. the uh, the arms and third and fourth arms of of Comics in Motion. If you find them somewhere, get on it. 
get listening because it's all fucking great stuff. <laughs> but thank you very much, guys. This has been an amazing discussion. I hope you got a lot out of it too. Bye-bye. And I'll see you in February. And it's going to be our, the next one is our feminist discussion mm-hmm. with Angry Andy's less angry half, Natalie. And we're going to be talking feminism and Disney villains and or antagonists lovely Ooh, uh good stuff it's going to be an interesting discussion mm. more interesting than this you discuss you decide it's variety you know couldn't possibly be no i can't stop it can't stop it sorry natalie can't can't work <laughs> we'll find out take care guys bye-bye <laughs>